Welcome to Embrace the Chaos. I'm your host, Joe, and this podcast is brought to you in association with the Celtic Chaos community, the creators and curators of Celtic Chaos, a large themed camp at Burning Man which formed in 2013 and consistently brings some of the biggest, loudest and most fun parties to Black Rock City. We discuss all things chaos and all things Burning Man, lifting the veil to show you behind the scenes at what it takes to build and run a sound camp. We delve deep into our experiences of Burning Man and how those experiences travel with us into the default world, creating a ripple effect of beauty, connection and fun throughout our entire lives and indeed the lives of those we touch. In this episode of Embrace the Chaos, I'm joined by Gary Burke, a legendary member of Celtic Chaos. We discuss how being part of this amazing community has enriched his life through the deep friendships he has formed. You'll also hear some lovely insights from Sorsha, Gary's bride-to-be, and learn how they fell in love with each other on the playa. Gary is an integral part of the build and takedown crew for Celtic Chaos. However, while building sound structures in the desert, he was simultaneously building solid friendships which span the globe. Gary pays tribute to his friend and mentor Stephen Crow and shares how Crow taught him compassion and how to lead. Both Crow and Gary have a similar work ethic and had a tradition of sharing a few whiskies every year as soon as Gary made it into camp. You'll hear some quality tips on how to survive the burn and get a good laugh out of the stories Gary has to tell. I'm your host, Joe. Get ready to embrace the chaos. If you've ever partied with us at Burning Man, you'll know exactly how the Celtic Chaos crew roll. This July, we are bringing the magic of the playa to our brothers and sisters across the globe in America, Australia and Ireland with four upcoming events. On the 9th of July, join us at our fundraiser in loving memory of the one and only Stephen Crow with a four-hour Sydney Harbour cruise with some banging beats from our well-known Celtic Chaos DJs and guests. In Ireland, we have the very exciting event in a magical location with live music, stellar DJs, yoga, meditation and cocktails served up from some of Belfast's finest barmen. In Oakland, California, on the 9th of July, come out to Bop Before the Pop, where we'll be throwing down an awesome day-to-night party with epic tunes, visuals and flame effects. Door admission is only $15, and that includes a free drink. And on the 22nd of July, you can experience world-class DJs at the Great Northern in San Francisco, our beloved family member and impeccably talented artist Asunla Day, along with the magnificent end-to-end and DJ Dan, with support from Celtic Chaos DJs and our longtime friends at Disco Nights. Check out the links in the episode description to find out more about these events. Welcome, Gary Burke, to Embrace the Chaos. I am absolutely delighted to have you on. How are you today? I'm good, Joe. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Oh, well, it wouldn't be a podcast about Celtic Chaos if you were not featured in it, that's for sure, because you are uh, a bit of a foreman and an integral part of, of Celtic Chaos. Uh, I know Natasha, the Queen of Chaos, had said that, you know, whenever you come in for the builds and the takedowns, you're you're just a pillar of that whole process. But I want to rewind and I want to start way back at the start because you are from Lena County Tipperary and you moved to Sydney in 2007. Your first burn was in 2012, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. My first okay. burn. 
So tell me then, how did you make it to your first Burning Man? Well, I made it to my first Burning Man was through my mate, Robbie Rickard. Robbie said to me, do you, do you want to go to a festival in the desert for uh, seven days? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Why not? Like, this is a challenge. Tell me this, Gary. Do you remember the first thing that you saw in 2012 whenever you arrived in, in the desert? What was the first thing you saw that made your jaw drop and go, wow? And the first, I, the first thing I can remember is we were coming into Gerlach and all the, <laughs> you know, the, all the stalls and everything. And you're there like, oh, getting close, like, you know what I mean? And then it's actually a funny story, like, because I was touring for, or traveling for two months, like, so I, I was in Canada, I was at a couple of festivals and then I came down the coast and then I went to Vegas and I was meeting Robbie and Lizette in Vegas and I had a pretty big one and I was there for seven days. I didn't want to go to Burning Man after Vegas. I was absolutely burnt out. <laughs> so I was like, I'll, I'll drive. I said, I'll drive. I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. So I was driving all the way. Then Robbie wanted to drive. And uh, I said, fair enough. So I started drinking anyway. And uh, yeah, we, we came into Gerlach. And I, just, I remember Gerlach and I started, I went from like, I was in the horrors, I suppose you could say. And I was like, I didn't want to go anywhere. And then I went from that to be started getting giddy and I was like oh I love you I'm going to burn a man I can't <laughs> wait and then as we drove past uh, Gerlach I suppose you, the lights was the first thing we seen mm-hmm. was the lights and then um, then we got to the bell and done the dust fairies and of course I got bollocks naked and uh, done me <laughs> dust fairies <laughs> so for anybody listening that doesn't know about this whenever you arrive into the gates of Burning Man they will ask are there any virgin burners uh, in the vehicle uh, if you say yes they say step out of the vehicle come over and you have to do dust fairies on your back and on your front <laughs> and then ring the bell but I, I haven't heard of anybody stripping off for this yet <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so yeah we got into Burning Man it was crazy because uh, we were camping at 10 o'clock on Espinard and now we didn't know where we were going and it was dark so we hadn't a clue so we were driving along anyway so we were asking for directions and next thing we started driving along Espinard and people were like no you can't drive down here you can't and they're roaring and shouting at us and we're like what the fuck is going on here we didn't know so Robbie's like look we'll just pull in here right so we pulled in behind this RV and uh Pulled in behind the RV anyway. And so we said, look, we'll stay here tonight. And then in the morning, we'll go look for the lads. Mm-hmm. So that was great. And anyway, so we uh, got a few bits and bobs together and we headed out for the night. So anyway, I sort of went out for two days and uh, <laughs> I was like, shit, where the fuck are we camped? Like, and I said, I hope the lads haven't moved to find the lads. So I eventually got back. I, th- I think it was, I was gone for two days. And anyway, eventually I got back. But where did we pull in? We pulled in exactly right behind the guy's RV. So we were actually in the right spot and we didn't even know it. So that was funny because when I arrived back, I was like hoping, uh, are the guys still there? Because I don't know where I'm camping. Robbie had all the details. I didn't know anything. I just put a marker of where the RV was. I have a good sense of direction. And I got back anyway, two days there. And then I seen all the guys, Saoirse, Rusty, Dyler, Lindsay, everyone was there. So that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> a good sense of direction, but not not so good a sense of time. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No, no, no sense. Of, there's no time in Burning Man. 
Definitely not. No. And there's no need. There's no point in making plans either. But last summer I went away for five days and came back two and a half months later. I went. To- <laughs> <laughs> like me getting lost for two days. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no room to talk. <laughs> I've got a great sense of direction, no sense of time. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's all that's important as long as you can find your own way home and you've had a good time in between. 2012, that was the first one with Robbie and Lizette. But there was a lot of our other friends that were there. There was um, Louise O'Sullivan, uh, Rusty, Alan Thomas, Saoirse, Lindsay Ball. There was a whole gang there. Like I was friends with them, but I wasn't that close with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all grouped up there and we had a, an amazing week. Like My first burn, like, yeah, I thought it was m- more of a festival than a community thing. So I never got that community feeling until I joined Celtic Chaos. I got to meet them all down in Shamrock City. So that's how I got to know all the crew of Celtic Chaos. So you made your way down to the Irish bar, as any man does. Um, yeah, as every man. Dropped yourself up at the bar and uh, met some of the Celtic Chaos heads, which, well, were soon to be Celtic Chaos heads. Was it a connection at that first meeting where you were like, I really want to build something with these guys? Or how did that then transpire? That didn't happen until the, it was the year after when they'd done the castle. Mm-hmm. The first two years of the castle, I was only on the take, I was just doing the takedown. And then I think for the last year of the castle, I got invited in for the build. Nice. Which was, uh, that was the start of it then. And once once you start doing the build, there's there's no turning back. It's a very special thing. I, th- I, I personally think myself, like, the build is just amazing. And being part of that team and that, that crew and, and um, building something on the play is just, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, like John Walsh actually said that, you know, hats off to G-Man Burke uh, mm-hmm. and indeed all the crew that come from Australia and all over the world uh, to, you know, go and get the work boots on and get stuck in. But he said, you're some man to swing a pick. Um, <laughs> but he also went on to say, you know, it's a bit daunting when everybody arrives out there on the playa for that build. Everybody's just a little bit nervous because you know how much work there is to be done, what's ahead of you and all the structures that need to be built. However, when you see the big man, Gary Burke, rocking up, there's a bit of a sigh of relief because you know that things are things are going to get moving and that you're in good hands. So you really are, you know, a pillar of that build and takedown. Oh, thank you. That's nice to hear that from John Walsh, which is he's also a very good lad in the build. Like So o- over the years, like the build crews, have all been like sort of different crews over the years because the first three years of the castle you had had Anthony McDonough, Chalky, loads more like really good lads and they all took a break from it and I was like when they took the break I was like oh my god what are we going to do without these guys mm-hmm. like because they were the they were the core like but then you, you have other lads that step up you John Walsh then you had Barry Collin myself Cross was the main leader and then just other other randomers as the the Dowlings, mm-hmm. who else came in? Even TJ. TJ just walked along one morning. Hey, man, how are you? Is this an Irish camp? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he goes, right. Can I come in? And then he ended up working with us like for 24 hours straight. Uh-huh. I don't think he slept. <laughs> he wasn't even camping with us. And then he turns around, can I camp with you? We we're like, yeah, of course you can, man. He just went and got all our stuff and came over. Yeah, got, grabbed all his stuff, came over and he's been with us since and he's such an addition as well because he's, he's such a great worker out there. Which I, I think Celtic Chaos are very lucky because there is a solid crew every year of good workers and we've had people from other camps that have come over to us 
and they just even said it like he says you guys are unbelievable like like they say i never seen people to party as hard but to work as hard <laughs> you get shit you get shit done like you know and there's a lot of ups and downs in the build and all that but like yeah it, it's, it's just such a good feeling it's amazing to be part of it I think that's why everybody forms such tight bonds um, when you've been through that tough challenge and experience together and then gone on to have the best week of your life together. Like that just accelerates the bond and the friendship that you have where you do become this family. And I know this year people are a bit nervous because you are not going to be there for the build. You might make it in, but that remains to be seen. But uh, there is a big celebration on the way for yourself and your lovely fiancé, Sorsha. You're due to get married at in the middle of August. So you won't be there for the build this year. And I know some of the guys are a little bit nervous, but as you say, different people step up then, you know, and... and that's it. And it, 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 it will work out. They have a great team of guys there and I'm sure they're going to smash it. It's going to be very hard there without Crow mm. because, you know, he's the the main guy. And I think that'll be hard. And I think everyone is going to put in 100% for him. Yeah, for sure. Sorry. Yeah, I think for, for Crow, you know, there's not going to be anything left behind. We're going to give it 150%. And I'm sure, I'm sure they'll pull it off and it's going to be an amazing year. Mm -hmm. And I know he'll be looking down at everyone. And he'll be there in spirit, smiling. Safety first or party harder. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Crow for a while, because you would have obviously worked very close with Crow over those years in the burn, through that build and through that takedown. Uh, and you have memories that you're going to cherish for the rest of your life. But what impact has Crow had on you? Massive impact. Like, I saw it see myself similar to Crow. Mm-hmm. Like we saw her have the same ethics when we're out there in the desert. And I think the two of us, we've, we've big open hearts, you know, and uh, we help each other. And I think that's why we got on so well with each other is because the two of us, we sort of taught the same, mm -hmm. you know, but like he, he was such an amazing man. He'd do anything for anyone. If anyone needed any help, no matter what, different camps, could be, I've seen the lads that have been working We've been working all day. Other camps come over and ask you to do something. You'd head over at night time. You'd help him. Like he was just such an amazing person. And he get he got everyone together and he got the work done. Mm -hmm. No nonsense. No nonsense. But he was so, he was such a nice guy. Like Crow, you know. I, I used to love every year like when I'd arrive because Crow would always be there before me, mm -hmm. and I'd arrive there and whatever time I come in at, I don't know. And then I I go look for Crow straight away, and then he'd show me what was the new setup or whatever he's changed from last year or whatever. And then he'd tell everyone, right, we're having a break. And myself and him would go into the RV and we'd have a, we'd get on the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd drink whiskey for around two hours and then we go back out working like, but yeah, memories like that's, I want to stick with you for life. Yeah. You know, he's, so, he's just such an amazing person. And just, just such a good bloke. Like, you know, always, always up for a laugh. And a dance. And a dance, yeah. A bit like yourself. Yeah, a bit like us all, Joy, you know. You, you <laughs> like the Raven as well. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, one memory I'll always have with Crow is, because every year he puts on that onesie, the black and white one. Yeah. And his little legs, you know, when he does the shuffle dance? Oh, yes. Yeah, and he does the thing. That'll always stick in my memories of Crow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just such a top bloke. Do anything for anyone. 
amazing, amazing human being, such a tragedy. Like that, it, it definitely shocked the whole community when he passed. But mm. look, he'll live on in all our hearts and he's an amazing person and always will be. Well, if you think about like the friendships that you have around the world and the people that we know simply through the fact that Crow built something from from his heart and from his soul and made it bigger and better and brought us all together like that legacy is going to live on forever you know oh exactly that it will like if you look at look at all the different like different countries around the place that have a bit of celtic chaos in them like we're doing a fundraiser next month for celtic chaos in sydney you have ireland america there's celtic chaos heads in england they're, they're all over the place. It's a, it's a massive community. And, and, and that's another thing, the friendships. Like when I went, I went to my first burn and there was, I, I went with Robbie and Lizette and then we met up with all the other guys, Rusty, Craig, or all of them. Like I, I knew them, but I wasn't exactly close friends with them. But now, I, now they're my best friends as well. Like, you know, I was best man for Craig. And lucky enough, I was best man for Craig. He got married at Burning Man. Which mm -hmm. was fucking amazing. One of the best weddings we've ever had. Rusty became very close friends with him at Burning Man. He's my, he's my best man for my wedding. Like so, mm -hmm. like it does. It builds relationships, and like I've had some amount of friends, and it is because of Celtic Case, and I suppose Crow and Natasha put it together, mm -hmm. and then everyone else got involved, and it's just a massive family now. It's huge, mm -hmm. and and it's it's going to build. There's younger people that are going to join and. And it's going to get bigger. I think it will. And I hope it does. Certainly. It definitely will. And it's enriched so many people's lives. And I know a lot of people that are coming to the Mayo Burn haven't been with Celtic Chaos. Uh, and some haven't been out to the Big Burn in Black Rock City. But we're able to bring Burning Man to them. And from the experiences that we've had, which Crow and Natasha have helped facilitate for us and allowed that magic to happen, we're then paying that forward to so many other people. And it's just going to get bigger, as you say. Like, even though Crow has died, his legacy is going to live on forever. Yeah. His legacy is, uh, yeah, that's 100%. Because there's a good crew of lads. There's a lot of young lads coming up. And mm -hmm. hopefully it just stays going. Because it's tough work, like, every year to do it. And you, you can see all the hard work the guys in San Francisco put in. You know, you've all the people behind the scenes then as well, like, you know, Sharky, who does a lot of work, you know, um, mm -hmm. yourself, Joe, all other people, Anya, all through the years, everyone. But there, there is younger generations coming up and I'm sure they're going to fill people's spots and hopefully it stays going. For sure. I know like John Walsh also said that like your commitment to Celtic Chaos is incredible. To take your annual holiday, to travel halfway around the world, put on a pair of work boots, drive a forklift, bury cables and put together structures for a week in the blistering heat. That says it all. That says everything, you know. I love it though. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love working anyways, which is a bit of a weird thing. But like, yeah, when I get out there, I just I just love it like. You do love the boys don't really like me that much because um, I don't let them have met that many union breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Siobhan, darling, you can have something I think about that's that. What loved about, I think that's what Crow loved about me because when the boys went, when everyone went down a union break, I was the first one out to get them all off the union break. <laughs> <laughs> union! <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah I'm back to work you fuckers <laughs> oh, I know no I know. but it's it's tough like like I'm used to working in heat you know I've been here in Australia 15 years or whatever I, I work in heat every day but a lot of people that go over there 
like the, the, especially coming from Ireland and you're working in 40 to 50 degrees heat like they've never experienced this and it's, it's very tough like it's very tough it is but like you know like everyone gets through it like you know yeah well it's the com- camaraderie as well like we all pull together and pull each other through because you can see when people are hitting that wall and struggling and yeah. you know you just get them whatever they need uh, to pull through but I know as the takedown commences and those little crevices for union breaks to happen on the side start disappearing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I personally myself like I suppose the first few years I went to Burnham Man it was fucking as you, as you put into your jokes a sprint or a marathon it was a sprint for me yeah. And then as I got older and I got more involved in the bills and then I was one of the guys people looked up to in the bills. I started doing the marathon thing. And then mm-hmm. like on a Saturday, I cut myself off. That was it. Like I, I was done. I've had my good two weeks. And then you get into the takedown on the Sunday and the Monday, like, and, and it's tough. Like it's tough because there's a lot of tired people there, but you know what? Everyone gets together and we get it done. And, you know, we used to try doing it in one day, but there was a massive cruise years ago, like good, like huge cruise. But now we do it in two two days because it's too hard. You're you're killing yourself, like. Yeah, and there's a lot to do. Well, you actually inspired me to do my first ter- takedown. Uh, I don't know if you know that, knew that or not, but my first burn was in 2018. So I, you know, hot-tailed it out of there on the Monday morning, and you rocked up into Reno. Maybe like late Tuesday, you described that sunset after the burn's all over and the takedown commences and how peaceful and how calm it is and how beautiful it is to watch everything start to disappear and have like everybody away. So then when I went back in 2019, that was really what stuck with me. And I didn't sign up for the takedown. It was really just a spur of the moment decision of I'm not going to go to the Grand Sierra for that party. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to take down. And it was one of the best decisions of my life. Yeah, it is. It's, it's beautiful when you wake up on the Tuesday morning and you're like, you're looking around like, fucking hell, there's loads of people gone. Like, but you have this beautiful sunrise. And yeah, because we usually we finish off the cleaning on the Tuesday. But like, it's crazy because I tell everyone like that, that's there, like, just stay another day in your tent. You're going to be in traffic for 13 to 15 hours to get to the Grand Sierra. Like, so, you know, if you stay the extra day, just help with the takedown. You don't have to kill yourself. You just have to be there because all the extra hands, the more hands you have, the easier it is. Stay an extra night and then you leave in the morning. You're in the Grand Sierra three hours. Makes sense. Oh, perfect. So if anyone sense. is listening that's camping with Celtic Case this year, do not go on the Monday. Stay and help. <laughs> <laughs> If you stay and help, you feel like I've, I've done something. Like it's a, it's a gift, like you know. It is. It's a part of a gift to the whole community at Burnham Man because you're gifting it to your own campmates, but also everybody that's passed through our camp and enjoyed what we've had to offer, which is thousands upon thousands of people. It's a gift that you're giving to everybody, really, by staying and taking down. It, it is. It is, and I think I think anyone that stays around and helps out is, is a very special person. Because I know at the end of it, a lot of people just want to. I want to get out of here. They're they're burnt out, and they just want to get on the road. But realistically, you're stuck in fucking traffic for fifteen hours. You're not going anywhere. It's horrible when you can just stay and chill out and have a nice uh, barbecue and few beers and just take everything down and relax. Yeah, and then there's a little like uh, unofficial party that night where people are burning off their fuel, <laughs> which is always always very fun. Yeah, if you go down the down to two o'clock and they're they're uh, oh, I went. All the people that have fire left, they're getting rid of it, and it's cool. Like it's amazing. The whole build, like and the takedown and everything, is it's very special. I I like for me to go to Burning Man without being part of that, it'd be weird. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I haven't achieved, done anything or whatever. Like I remember one year. I think it was the first year we done the Enchanted Forest, mm-hmm. and I remember myself and Craig Norman were sitting out in there. Sitting out in the player, we're looking back at it like, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, "Fuck, I helped to create this," and it was absolutely beautiful. Like, you've seen the treehouse and everything, the castle in full swing, and the lights and everything, and you're just like, yeah, "I've I was part of that." And it's a proud moment, and yeah, it feels very good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I could just imagine. And in terms of some of your top moments, I'm sure that that you've just described is right up there. That feeling of pride, of looking. At it from afar, it's something you've created. Yeah, it must be really, really special. Are there any other moments that really stand out to you as being right up there? Being best man for Craig O'Hare, his wedding. Mm-hmm. That, that that wedding, I, I don't know if you were there, Joe, for that wedding, but that, that was amazing. Yeah, 2015, like that wedding, like what we went through to set up the set up the stage, everything for the for the wedding in, in a sandstorm. And like everyone was saying. Oh, we get you have to get married in the castle. You have to get married in the castle. It's too it's too stormy out. And I turn around. And I said to Craig, Craig, you're getting fucking married in the desert. That in the playa. That's where you want to get married. Don't mind everyone else. And we went out in the storm and we set it up. And um, yeah, they got married out there, and it was it was epic. Like yeah, you had to see the sandstorms coming through. I'm sure you've seen the photographs think, of it. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was amazing. Like that was a very special moment for me. What is? Yeah, I suppose my drinking whiskey with Crow in the RV every time I get there, that, that, that'll always stick with me. That's very special because it, it was sort of the same thing every year. Mm-hmm. I go and meet Crow. He'd show me around, show me what's new, and then we go out drink whiskey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little uh, private union meeting. A, li- a little private union meeting, yeah. You can't give anybody a set time of I'm going to be there on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Like there's a window of about maybe 36 hours. I'm going to arrive within these 36 hours because there's so many different hurdles, especially flying from Sydney, picking up your rental, traffic. Yeah, and then breaking down everything. Like we all broke down on the way out the last time. Mm-hmm. So we had to leave two of the boys with the trucks. Then we had to pack all the other cars. We had to get suitcases, all tie them to the roofs. I don't know how we weren't pulled. Everything was hanging off everything. <laughs> <laughs> and was you just we, the we, desert or? No, going, going to the desert. We broke down on the way. So one of the trucks broke down that was carrying all the gear. So we had to leave. I think we had to leave John Walsh and TJ there. And then everyone else just got into two small cars. Mostly. Like we're definitely overloaded. But we got there and we got there for the start helping crow. Mm-hmm. And I think the boys got in two days afterwards because they had to get it fixed. So, yeah, there's, there's loads of funny memories as well, I suppose. And then falling in love with my beautiful fiancé. Yes. How could we not discuss this magical union? So what year did you two both fall in love with the burn? 2019, the last one. The last, the last burn. One. Yeah, I've got some lovely photos of you two there. Yeah, so we got together in, uh, in Sydney in Christmas at Subsonic, a music festival. But then Sorcerer moved home. I had two tickets for Burning Man. I was like, look, you're coming to Burning Man with me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, yeah. She was all up for it. And then she rang me and says, no, she can't go out to Burning Man. And I said, right. So I, she says, give the ticket to someone else. I said to myself, do you know what? I, I'm not getting rid of the ticket. I'm going to hold on to it till the last minute. Mm-hmm. Just in case she changed her mind. I told her I'd hold on to the ticket if she changed her mind. And lucky enough, she did change her mind. Because mm-hmm. if she didn't change her mind, I, I don't know if we'd be together now. 
Yeah, because Sorsha was living at home in Ireland at the time. Living at home in Ireland, yeah. We're doing like a little bit of the long distance thing, uh, which yeah. is never the same as in person. And then like, what a place to ignite uh, a love uh, when you're in a place that is, all your senses are heightened. There's magic in the air everywhere. Uh, you're yeah. both in for the build, if I remember correctly, and the takedown. Uh, and now that has led on to another burner wedding, which is happening this August. <laughs> Yeah, this August, yeah, so, yeah, exciting. Now, we're, we're nearly there. We're nearly all the organisation done, so. Sorsha, Sorsha, how are you, my dear? I'm good. How are you? I'm literally sitting here looking at the picture that you took, and I seen Siobhan Downing with a hurly stick bat and a bishop. Yeah, that will always stay in my mind forever. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they're going to christen some people at the Mayo burn. Always uh, getting christened. <laughs> I don't know any of the virgin burners. I said, Sham, are you going to bring the <laughs> He goes, no, I might go a bit gentler down this That's time. That's how we're going to christen is it? He's going to find a gentler way to bring them in. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Maybe some men, um, holy water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or some whiskey. Some whiskey. So Sham has built a beautiful big man for the, for this burn. It's going to be a really special, special... Oh, it is. Oh, I'd lo really? love to be there. That's why oh. I, when I messaged you yesterday, friends are down, I was hoping you'd say July. <laughs> <laughs> our flight's different we can get uh -huh. back and see it we've got some so so funny stories and memories and yeah like I was saying to Gary earlier on it's so nice to listen to this because it really refreshes like what you've experienced you know mm -hmm. like you're, we've all been stuck in a crazy moment of not being able to go home and not being able to do all these things and then you reflect back on that and it's actually just makes your heart warm yeah, great job, Joe. Well done, Joe. Thank you for this. This is just like ignited such a laugh in a Yeah, I, I think it's it's good. Everyone in Celtic Chaos is yeah, getting to hear this. Now. I think so too. Before before the burn. You always know that whenever you rock up, you're gonna rock up at the right place at the right time. Uh it's happened so many times where you know you could be completely at the other end of the city and you're like, I need to meet this person. You don't have any firm plans. It was myself, Siobhan Darning, and it was the last day of the burn, and she really wanted to be spent it with her brother Michael. We'd left him at 10 and we were over at 2, making our <laughs> way over uh, to a party over there. And so we went into the mist room just to cool off because we'd cycled the whole way across the city and we were misting. And then next thing, who walks into the misting camp? But Michael Darning and we were like, oh, <laughs> that, you know? of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of theme camps, like he just walks into the one that we're in. We're sitting there just getting misted and cooled off. It was, you know, fabulous. <laughs> That's the magic of the place, you know, it really is absolutely magical. Um, and that's one thing that you try to describe to people, but it's so hard to put it into words at times. And that's why I'm glad to have you on this and, you know, all of the guests, because it can give people a glimpse of what it's all about and how, how magical it is. Oh, it is magical. And every year is just different, like every year, you know, it's a different story, different experiences. It's never the same, mm -hmm. which is which is amazing. Like, mm hmm. It's such, it's such a, it's such a, a brilliant place. Do you have any other examples of like those mind blowing coincidences that have happened at Burning Man? You know, as you say, just rocking up and being in the right place in the RV and coming back two days later. Any of those other instances? I remember I found Crego in the desert <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of a, in the middle of a sandstorm, and uh, I was walking through the sandstorm, and I was going one way with my mate from Canada. And and uh, Craigo was coming the other way, but it was, it was in the middle of a dust storm. And I was just like, is that Craigo? And I spotted him. And lucky enough, I spotted him because he had no water, no anything. 
And he was like, he was coming back from being out all night. So I just took my backpack off my back and I gave it to Craig. Oh, there was a load of water in it anyway. And I just gave him my backpack and I says, because my mate had water as well. So I says, here, you take my backpack and you make your way home. And then we just, we were in the dust storm. And then you were just, I was looking back and then you just couldn't see anyone. God. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that was the coincidence. That I was supposed to meet him there because he was Paris. That's one thing I think everyone should always just make sure they always have water when they go out <laughs> mm, and you always pack your water full of a load of electrolytes as well and you've got like the camping pack with the with the little hose and the straw yeah everything i, ne I never leave it out because i got caught myself before the same scenario and it was absolutely horrible mm -hmm. you know you're out there in the desert and you've no water like and you're trying to make your way back to camp but you're you're far from it so yeah and that's one thing I could say to everyone, make sure you always go with water. There's a woman that goes out after sunrise, maybe like an hour or two after sunrise. She goes out into deep playa and she goes out with a golf buggy every morning and she picks up the casualties and takes them home. You know, people that have just ah. fallen asleep, you know, before sunrise. And when that sun comes up, it comes up hard and that heat. Oh, yeah. So in the nighttime, you're wearing your fur coats. It's really, really cold. You know, it can be like three, four, five, six degrees. Um, and then once the sun comes up, you're in that blister and heat. So it's a big transition and people are just lying there comatose uh, and she'll just pick them up, put them on the buggy and take them home to their camp, which is absolutely, that saves lives. That does. I'm raging. I didn't meet her there a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Could have done with it. <laughs> what do you think makes Celtic Chaos different to other camps? I know you touched on the fact that some of the other camps will come over and say, Jesus, she's our hard workers. Like, what makes Celtic Chaos different? Um, a lot of mad Irish and mad Texans. I can't forget about the Texan guys. They're such a good bunch. And I, I, I became really good friends with them. Uh-huh. Um, Zach... Dom, um, oh man, they're, they're good people. I just think, I think Celtic Chaos is like, there's no ego. Everyone, everyone works hard. They party hard. They work hard and we get shit done, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think, I think that's the thing. No, like if you see the pe people party and then everyone is there for the take them, you're respected. Like, you know, mm -hmm. they're, it, it, everyone is out to help each other. I think that's it. There's no like, ah, oh, fuck them, they'll be all right. Like, they'll get by. Everyone gets involved. Everyone helps from, from every part of it. Like, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's the girls in the kitchen, like, that do the cooking. Like, that's like that's one job, like, that I don't think a lot of people would see. You might see the building, the structures and all that, but all the girls that help out and do all the work in the kitchen, that's that's a massive part, like, and, and, and people don't recognise that. Or they don't see the people in the camp would, but people outside it wouldn't. Just, just such good people. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think there's ever been. And what Sharky said on her podcast is that, you know, it's very much an open camp. We don't have you jumping through hoops to join. It's an open door policy. So we really adopt the policy of radical inclusion. But people are allowed to make a mistake. People can fuck up their first year. Nobody's ever been asked not to come back. And we know that in the first year, maybe you might not help out quite as much or you might not, you know, pull your weight. But you always they always come back the following year eager to to pitch in and really, really support Celtic Chaos. That's it. Like, and if someone misses a shift, like if you're supposed to be doing a shift, like I, I've missed a few of them myself. I'm no angel. But nobody says anything to you because you just say, hey, can you just cover another shift? Or, and they will cover. And I've seen that with people 
we're only human as well and everyone's going to fuck up like you know because you do sleep in or you do maybe you're sick or dehydrated you can't make your shifts and all that but like anyone i've seen that miss miss misses any shift or anything you always see them doing something else mm-hmm. when they're not supposed to be doing the shift so the, everyone helps out anyone that's ever camped there i, I think are just a great bunch of people it's, all, mm-hmm. it's always been a good crew there i suppose everyone that's there they do respect the rules they do clean up after themselves they take their rubbish which is very important like because when you can only take so much rubbish as you've seen yourself joe from the kitchen, everything, and what we have to fill, like, if people do leave rubbish there or whatever, it, it, it builds up, like, <laughs> it's very hard to get out of there. I just think it's a very good camp. It's it's very easy going. People are just, they're straightforward as well. If, if someone has a problem or something, they go say to you, and, and, and it's said in a nice way, like, you know? Mm-hmm. That's one thing about Crow. If anyone was acting a, the maggot or out of line, he wouldn't say anything to him in front of a group of people. He'd go out meet him on his own. He'd pull him aside, say, look, keep your head in or whatever. And that was it. End the conversation and not like move on and everything will be good. Mm-hmm. What other things have you learned from working with Crow and from knowing him? I learned compassion. I suppose I learned how to lead with as well and follow his footsteps because I sort of was, he's a bit of a right-hand man from under, under play. And yeah, he was an amazing leader. I learned how to set up that sound system as well. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that sound system was my, my little baby setting up with the, with the Texans and with, with Zach mostly and, and Dom. I learned a good bit from Crow. He, he's such a, just such a good bloke, a massive open heart. He's always, always helped people. And I think I, I think I brought that on with me as well. I'll always help people. I'll always try to help people. Mm-hmm. Crow would do anything for anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I am a bit similar like him. I think I have the same um, ethics as Crow, you know. Mm-hmm. So Crow's ashes are going to be brought to the temple. I didn't know that. I listened to Natasha's podcast the other day and I actually, I don't think I ever cried when Crow passed away. I'm not an emotional person, but when I heard them ashes were going to burn them out, I, I actually cried. That's amazing. Like, you know, that's going to be special, very special. So I really, really would love to be there for that. If I can't, I will do something ourselves and the night of the burn and give him a send off. It's, it's hard like when someone passes away close to you and you couldn't, you couldn't get there because if, if COVID wasn't there, I would have been on the first plane over and I, and I know that. Mm-hmm. But because of COVID, we couldn't travel and yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be tough being there, you know, for everybody uh, and for Michelle as well. But I think the pilgrimage is going to be such a fitting tribute to him to take him as well to the temple which he'd worked on you know many years working on building many that temple years. where he would go and help out there as well uh so there's no place he would rather be sent to for his final resting place yeah it, it, that's going to be very special and hopefully i can get there for it i'd love to be there to see that and be, and be part of it give him the send off he deserves do you have any other experiences from the temple, you know? Is it somewhere that you frequent every year? Do you just go some years if you're passing? What's your experience with the temple? I was only in the temple twice, Joe. I went the first year I went. And yeah, that was a that was a, a mad experience. Like the energy I felt in there, everything. It was crazy. I actually came out of it feeling really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose reading all the stories and all that. I, I went then one more time. I think 2018 I went, my friend passed away. And I put a letter in there for him, but that's the only two. I, like I, I stand at the outside and I look at the artwork because they're always it's amazing building. But I don't know, just going in there, I don't know. I never after the first time I went in there, I just felt like 
you know. Mm, it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. I suppose my life so far, I haven't really lost a lot of close people to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there did, did I need really to go in there, you know. But I, I do appreciate it and I respect it. I'll always remember seeing the first first temple burn. That was mm-hmm. fucking unbelievable. I, I never seen anything like that, and I don't think I've I don't think I've ever seen anything any other temple like that. Mm-hmm. Since since we've been at ten o'clock, most of us just sit down outside the camp. Mm-hmm. And we, we sit down, have a few beers, and we just watch the temple burn from the camp because you have a perfect view from it. Yeah, it's a stunning view from there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I've only been there twice. Yeah, it, it is a powerful place. Mm-hmm. And you, you can feel the energy. The energy is crazy there. Like, it, it, it's, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully, look, hopefully I get to go there this year. I'd say you will. Tell us now, this will be like a little bit of advice for new burners. What are some of the things that you cannot do without? I know water, uh, a water backpack is definitely one of them. What are some That's of the things thing I had on my list? A bottle of whiskey, obviously, would be, or did Chris uh, supply the whiskey? I'll give, I'll give you a good one, right? It was uh, Terry Pierce actually introduced it to me. Mm-hmm. Is a can of air spray. Because when you go into them toilets, they're stinking. <laughs> okay. Especially at night time. And you just spray it with the air freshener and it's like a span new toilet. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it, it's actually, I, now, ever since Terry, ever since Terry done that with me, I've always brought a can of air freshener. Round of applause, Terry. They get pretty rank at night time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you get you get the air freshener. It's like it's like you're in a clean toilet, but realistically you're not. <laughs> they do get cleaned every single day. Oh yeah, they do, yeah. But just just at night time they're messy, especially on the plane. They're not too bad down the back, but yeah, the air freshener, that's a great job. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, apple cider vinegar for your feet, like for years. I never used it. I never used it. And then my feet were killing me. I think I think it was 2018 and TJ. Give me the apple cider vinegar. Like it took me what seven years to figure out this apple cider vinegar, <laughs> even though they tell you to bring it. And then when I done it, like it's amazing what it does to your feet. Like, so do you steep your feet in it? Yeah, I just steep it in it. Yeah, and span new the following day I was. Mm, I'm learning a lot from this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Uh, what else could you bring? Um, I suppose. Look, you learn yourself as you go along. Your first burn. I know there is a list you bring, but. Personally, myself, I'd rather just go there with the with what you need and then you'll, you'll figure it out yourself as you go along. If you are going to go for the next year, you'll know exactly I need more of this or I need more of that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. probably one thing we over bring is drink, like probably bring too much alcohol, to be quite honest. I don't think I've ever went there and finished all the alcohol we've brought. <laughs> you know, you think you're going with a, have I got enough? Have I got enough? And you're, no, I don't have enough. And I'm buying more alcohol. I'm buying more. And then like at the end of it, you're like, fucking hell, I've way too much. <laughs> <laughs> you have to cart it the way back to Reno then or else gift it to somebody else. But donate it at the gate usually. Yeah. Right, I'll bring it to Reno for the after party or the decompression. Talk to me a bit about decompression now that you mention it. What's your sort of ideal decompression? Uh, so, yeah, you go to Reno for the two or three days. Then for me, it's usually I go down to either my friends in L.A. or I go down to San Francisco and get tattooed to my, to my other friend. For anybody listening, Gary has some epic body art. Basically, the entire top half of your body and a, a good portion of the bottom half now, I might say. I'm uh, just, I'm nearly all there, yeah. One leg left, realistically. Your tattoo artist is... He's actually one of my best friends I grew up with. And he's based in, he was based in San Diego. 
Uh-huh. And uh, but he's actually moved back to Nina, back to Ireland. So I'd always catch up with him afterwards. I suppose it was a way of ke- keeping in contact. Yeah. So I used to go down and get a uh, tattooed. Was that, yeah. There's a funny story about one of the times we went down. Mm-hmm. So I remember. Uh, I think I was booked in. So we finished the burn on the Tuesday. I was booked in on the Thursday to get tattooed, and we were driving the RV. We had to get the RV to San Fr- or to San Diego, and. Uh, I said to the lads, I'm not drinking now, I'm done, that's it. I'm not partying in Reno. So the first night in Reno, I didn't party. And then the second day I got on it, didn't I? And I, I hit it pretty hard. <laughs> I think I got around two or three hours sleep. And then I had to get into an RV and we had to drive to San Diego. Nice. <laughs> so, and I had to be in San Diego for 11 o'clock in the morning. And I was with my mate Cabbage and he was like, just cancel the appointment. And I was like, I can't cancel the appointment. I said, this lad has booked me in. He'd be down with day's wages if I don't want to turn up like. I said, and he's been made. So I drove for practically 15, 16 hours. Oh. And then I got out of the RV and I sat down and I got tattooed for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's some going, Gary. Honest to God, hats off to uh, you. <laughs> the things you do, like, you know. That's a decompression for me. <laughs> Put myself through another eight hours of pain. <laughs> uh, and a 15 hours drive on top of that. Oh, my goodness. 15 hours drive. But yeah, but it's all memories, though. And it, 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 it was actually a fun trip. We had Sarah Connolly with us. We had to drop her to the airport. She nearly missed her flight. You know, it was just... <laughs> it, it was a funny trip. Yeah. Yeah, I usually just catch up with my friends after Burning Man because I have a couple of friends from home that live in America, like mm-hmm. that they, they don't go to Burning Man. So it's good to catch up with them. And plus, since I started going to Burning Man, I, I've always kept in contact with them. You know, when you separate from your friends at home and all that, sometimes you, you just drift apart. And because yeah. I'm going to Burning Man, they're living in America. I, I, I go out of my way to see them, like, mm-hmm. which, which is good. Yeah. And what's your tattoo artist's name? Let's give him a shout out as well. Ronan Harvey, best in the business. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can testament to that. You've got some fine pieces on there for you. So Ronan's uh, definitely top of his game there. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting a new piece now. You'll all see, but a little bit of uh, Celtic case and a bit of Crow. So I'm looking forward to that now. I'm booked in for August. Uh, pre-wedding? Pre-wedding tattoo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you getting one as well? Me? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll just watch. In terms of then uh, tactics for a smooth entry into the default world, because obviously when you're still in America and you're, you know, bouncing around from Reno to San Diego to San Francisco, you're still decompressing. But once you catch that flight back into into Sydney, uh, you know, you're you run a, a large construction company there in Sydney, you're you're going back into the default world. I mean, I'm guessing it gets easier after, you know, the amount of times that you've been. But what are your tactics for a smooth re-entry into the default world? It's it, it's never that easy. Like, you know, you, you, you come back from your trip and, and then you hit reality, you're back in work and you're like, fuck this shit. I don't will not want to be doing this. But then you have to remember, like, only for work, you wouldn't be able to afford to get to Burnham Man because it's, it's, it's expensive enough from Australia. So you, you sort of have to, you have to push it aside and say, right, I have to get back onto my normal life because mm-hmm. Burnham Man is brilliant, but it, realistically, you can't, you'd love to live like that every day, but really you can't because you need to work, you need to survive. And with work, it helps you get to Burnham Man. That's the way I put it because it's, it's very hard when you get back in there to work. The first, the first week or two, you're just fucking not. Nah. 
I don't like this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> but I, lo I love it. Like, I just think it's just, you just have to get over the first week. But then meet up with friends, talk about the burn, have mm -hmm. the banter, have the laugh. Then you meet up with your friends that weren't at the burn. You tell them all the stories, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and you just remember all the good times and then you say, right, I'm going to be there next year. So back to my normal life till I can do all that. Only 340 more days till the band burns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the kind you of know, it, it, it's, it's tough just getting back into the real world after it because yeah. it's just it's just so good over there, especially because, like, personally myself, I throw my phone away straight away when I get there. That phone is gone. Mm -hmm. And because my phone is flow all the time, I, I love that. I just throw away the phone. And for two weeks, I don't even take a photo. I think I, I, think I take a photo on the last... The last days, usually with, with the bill crew, I'll mm -hmm. get a photo of that. Everyone takes them anyway, so I'm, yeah. I always pop up in them anyway. So you, you get to see your memories as well, like you know, exactly. Uh, but yeah, and I suppose just meeting your friends and chatting, and and then just thinking back of all the good times you had there for the two or two weeks or whatever, and have a reflection, and then just buzz off that. That's 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 the way I go. Yeah, and that's a beautiful way to to re-enter the default world is stay connected to your friends, the ones that have been there, number one, and number two, the ones that haven't been there because they're only dying to hear all the stories. And just know that, you know, you have to do what you have to do so that you can do what you want to do. I'm back in work and I've got to, you know, work really well and work really hard because that's going to fund another beautiful experience in a year's time. Yeah, because I think I had a conversation with someone over there before and I was telling them, like, I actually love working. And they were actually there to me. How do you love work like? I was like well, without work, I would not be able to get to the Burning Man every year. That's that's what funds it. And that's what gets you there, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is tough. I have to go <laughs> back to work. I, to do, I was after having an amazing time. But look, after a week, you're, 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 you're span new, you know? And I think you're on such a high as well. Like you, you're once you get over the shock of being back to reality with a bang. Once you get over that initial shock, you're still electrified from the experience that you just had. You know, and it is oh yeah, electric. You're you're, you're on a, you're on a, you're on a high. I think it's just going back to work and just dealing with people and clients, and it's, that just gets you down. But other than that, you're you're on a high. Mm -hmm. You've had the best two weeks. Do you feel you like know? you interact with people differently when you come back? Like you bring that Burning Man ethos in terms of how you interact with people on the playa, which is so opened and dropped in. I find that that really impacts how you connect with people in the yeah, world. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 Burning Man has changed me a lot, like the way I react with people and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was never a hugger. Never a fucking hugger. <laughs> I was like a handshaker. That was it. And yeah, I suppose I actually started learning how to hug people at Burning Man. I remember my friend in Canada, I'd seen him, the same thing. I'd go to travel him to Burning Man and it was a handshake first. And he's, his partner says, this guy not hug? She's there, no, look at him. Of course he doesn't hug. And then I came, I, then I came back, I think my second trip to see him and it was after a couple of burns and I was hugging him like, and he's like, did you start hugging? Burning Man taught me how to hug. <laughs> so, yeah, it taught me how to hug. Look, and it taught me how to slow down a bit with life as well because I was full on work, 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 which... I've sort of stayed, like, I still work, I still work, but it's taught me to slow down a bit more and mm -hmm. enjoy life a lot better. Like, there's a lot more, we'll be all dead soon and you don't know when it's going to happen. So, yeah, it, mm -hmm. it, it's taught me to slow down. Um, 
and embrace and embrace life. Embrace life and embrace the chaos, uh, which you're very good at anyway. I can remember all those times at Subsonic and, you know, all the other festivities, you know, you do embrace the chaos. Oh, I, I am the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I am the chaos. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I think that's a good tip that you have for people. Ditch your phone. But if, you, if you're a pictures person and you want to take loads of photos, buy a digital camera, put the phone away. You don't need it. There's no signal out there. That's that's one of my favorite things. Like you know what I mean? It's just fucking throw that phone away. No, no connection with the outside world for two weeks. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Tell me this, Gary. Is there anything that you? Obviously, when you went to your first burn in 2012, Robbie Rickard just said, do you want to go to a festival in the desert? You said yes. Uh, And probably like myself, you didn't really know too much about it before you went. But is there one thing that you wish you had have known before you'd went? Or are you happy that you didn't really know very much? No, I'm happy. I'm happy. that I I like going into things blind, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And then just learning from it. Yeah, I I was happy because I actually went in... To be quite honest, after the first week, I thought it was the best festival I was ever at. Mm-hmm. And then it was the year after, I think, when I stayed with the castle, I started learning that it's more than, it's it's not a festival, it's a community. And I started to get to know people and I was helping out because I love helping out, do you know what I mean? And then we were there for the takedown. Yeah, and the more you get involved, the more you see it's, it's a community mm-hmm. and it's not a festival. But I, I think every young person will be blind to that fact that they, everyone's going to think it's a festival, I think, for the first one. But I, I'm sure there's still a lot of people that go there that still think it's a festival. But, but when you get involved with a camp and you become part of that community, then it, it turns it. It's totally different. Like, but that took me around three burns, I suppose, to realize it's not a festival. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it's a community, and then you're meeting different communities all around the place, like different camps that have their own communities. And you just meet such amazing and talented people out there. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's like anyone say, Oh, I burn a man. Like you can't describe it. There's no, you have to experience, you have to experience it yourself. No, no words to describe it. And even if you try to describe it to somebody that isn't there, they'll still never understand Mm -hmm. because they have to, they have to experience it themselves. My first experience of Burning Man was I had just moved to Sydney and I had moved in with Laura Walsh and she'd just come back from Craigo and Lou's wedding and she was talking to me about Burning Man. I was like, what is this thing you're talking of? And like, she's, I was like, right, describe that to me again. Still wasn't getting it. I was like, right, tell me again, but in a different way. I was just, and until I set foot in that, on that playa, like there was no words that were going to be able to really describe it. Mm. Tell me, Gary, uh, what does embrace the chaos mean to you? Oh, what does it mean to me? <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I can't say that. Say it. <laughs> 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 yeah, I am the chaos, really. Embracing the chaos, I suppose. I, I suppose getting in touch with your, your, your inner self as well, like. Mm-hmm. You know, you do, you do get in touch with your inner self and like you push your boundaries there. Mm-hmm. You do push your boundaries at times. As I said, it's tough and what's uh, fun. Yeah. Uh. Mm-hmm. It is tough and you do push your boundaries uh, and you really sort of see what you're made of, you know, because you're tested to the limit. You are, you are, you're tested to the limit. Like, cause it, like you, you, you go through, like, it could freeze and cold at night into a sandstorm 
anything. There's like there's tough tough terrain out there, as they'd say. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of pe- I've seen a lot of people there that. There's not even for that chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. embrace the chaos. Seeing as you are the chaos and you learned how to <laughs> hug at Burning Man, you basically are <laughs> embrace the chaos. <laughs> 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 Gary, thank you so much for being on Embrace the Chaos. You have been an absolutely wonderful guest. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I shall be seeing you this August in Ireland. Yeah, keep the 20th of August free, Joe, yeah? I certainly will. Thank you very much. That was brilliant. Thank you. The music that you've listened to in this episode of Embrace the Chaos is by Malison Inkis from County Cork and the title of the track is Shocking. You can stream this anywhere that you listen to music. A special thank you to John from Claycastle Recording Studios in County Cork for mastering the audio of this podcast. And a special shout out to our admin team at the Celtic Chaos community for working behind the scenes to bring Embrace the Chaos to you. If you're enjoying Embracing the Chaos with us, please do hit that subscribe button and join us on our social channels where we would love to hear from you. And finally, a reminder about the four global events we have coming up in the month of July. On the 9th of July, join us at our fundraiser in loving memory of the one and only Stephen Crow with a four-hour Sydney Harbour cruise with some banging beats from our well-known Celtic Chaos DJs and guests. In Ireland, we have the very exciting event in a magical location with live music, stellar DJs, yoga, meditation and cocktails served up from some of Belfast's finest barmen. In Oakland, California, on the 9th of July, come out to Bop Before the Pop, where we'll be throwing down an awesome day-to-night party with epic tunes, visuals and flame effects. Door admission is only $15, and that includes a free drink. And on the 22nd of July, you can experience world-class DJs at the Great Northern in San Francisco. Our beloved family member and impeccably talented artist, Asunla Day, along with the magnificent end-to-end in DJ Dan, with support from Celtic Chaos DJs and our longtime friends at Disco Nights. Check out the links in the episode description to find out more about these events.